Having taught through the, an introduction to Psalm 119, we're now going to dive into uh, this psalm. And so we're going to begin today by looking at verses 1 through 4. Please stand for the reading of God's sacred word. Psalm 119, verses 1 through 4. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Amen. Father, as we come before you this morning, we look forward, God, to the Spirit's illumination of this word that we may grow in faith, be conformed to the image of Christ, and glorify you more and more. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This is a great passage as we go through it. To, if you have a Bible, to have it open and just to look at it. You can see we're covering a very short portion. But what is it to walk in the way of God? What does that mean? How are we able to do that? And what does it practically look like? That walk of faith according to the statutes of God. Well, this is what this first section of Psalm 119 is about. It teaches the heart of the Christian yearning after that which is real and genuine and authentic. And it's our, it's our God's heart, as it were, for his child. realizing that we as his children are not perfect, are we? We are not sinless, yet we are steadfast. We're always called to be moving forward, advancing closer and closer to God. And it's, it's a faith that's stirred up, that's striving to be consistent and active and, and real and diligent, humble, distrustful of self and unspotted from the world. We're also self-renouncing, as it were, and confident in God. We delight in his goodness. And we're decidedly determined to keep God's law. And we're ready to confess that without his divine grace, the Christian can do nothing. And so our first consideration is how what these words we see as the psalm opens. The first two verses twice declare this strong position of being blessed. Are you, are you blessed? Are you blessed, as we say today? Blessed are the undefiled in the way, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. This is really a theme for the rest of this very long psalm. Is He's setting up and defining who is blessed. It's a declaration to the reader. And this word blessed, it's, we, we know what it means, don't we? It's, it's a description. It's a word that means to bring delight or happiness. Or it's, it's a good position to be in, isn't it? To be blessed. And this is really God's view of what's best. So it's a proclamation about the Christian, the child of God, of what is good. And so blessed is the man that walks not in the way of the wicked. Blessed is the man whose transgression is forgiven. Blessed is the man whose strength 
is in God. And blessed are they who walk in the way of the Lord, as we see here today. So to be blessed, it's really a picture of a relationship with God, right? It's, it's, a, it's a heart that says, oh, my father has good things for me. May I be listening to his voice because he knows what's best in my life when I follow in his way. And by giving us his commandments, our God is saying, I am your God. I've shown you the way to walk. And by faith, go walk in this way and it will go well with you. And so this is the picture, the same picture that Jesus gave us of his obedience to the Father. Right? Walking in his way is the way of the righteous. And to rightly understand this, we really have to remember our position in Christ. We talked about this last week, right? That we are, we are in Christ and Christ is in us. This is our union with Christ. And so we are enabled by the work of faith to walk in the way of our God. And not just that, but to rejoice in it and to see it as blessed. We carry out the kingdom work of our God through our lives. Through our lives. Remember what Jesus said in John 14. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these, he will do because I go to my Father. And just like Christ, we seek the way and will of our Father in heaven. And now Jesus, notice he goes on and connects this to the will of his Father. I can by myself do nothing as I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of my Father who sent me. So this is the same declaration that Christ makes. Blessed is the one who walks in the word of the Lord, the way of the Lord, the law of the Lord, following his way and keeping his precepts. Because as we talked about last week, these not only glorify God, They're not only the response of gratitude to our love for God, but they're also a guard and protection for us. You remember Psalm 1? Makes it just so clear. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in what? The law of... Of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. See, but this is not the the lawlessness of the ungodly, right? But it is in the law of the Lord where there is delight. There's really not a lot of fun in lawlessness. Although we might be tempted to think so. But where there's blessing, there's happiness. The the lively, strong oak tree that's a hundred years old. We've all seen it. And it's nourished in God's fertile, life-giving soil. That's what we are to be. That's what we are in Christ. We are blessed in that way. These oaks of righteousness, you could say. Blessed is the man who's living, operating, and making decisions according to the way of his God. Now, there's many freedoms 
in life. And we actually have been given to freedom in Christ, haven't we? To walk through this life. And we know what it means to no longer be slaves to sin. Amen? That's our freedom in Christ. That's the liberty he's won. However, this desire for freedom, to do whatever we want, to feed our desires and passions, we may not do it according to God's law. And in that, there can be a stepping outside of God's way for us. It'd be like stepping off of a sidewalk, right? And so we have to be careful that this would be, we'd be watchful here. This would be a violation of his precepts, a defilement of it, as it were, that not only grieves God, but in the end, it will grieve your soul and damage you as well. Because we think we know what's best. I think I have a better plan here, God. I really do. I mean, I know, I know God, but I, I'm really sure on this one. Have you ever seen this in young child parenting? I wonder if you've ever seen this. Parents, we all love our children, don't we? And we, we want to see them happy and blessed, as it were. And so we really want to give them whatever we want. We, we have that pull in our hearts, don't we? And so when, when they say, I want that toy or that snack, we, we kind of go, oh, I love my child. I want to give them that. And sometimes they'll even complain and throw a tantrum and we'll be like, I will give them anything just to calm down and be quiet, right? But while this seems good and is a good temporary fix, we know that this kind of child-directed parenting really only results in unhappy and discontented children, doesn't it? And this is because this is the image of God within them. No boundaries, no structure, self-oriented encouragements is not how God made us to be happy and blessed, is it? Happy and blessed is the child where there is love, where there's order, where there is required honor and respect. When the child walks in the loving guide and structure of the parents, then the child is joyful, trust is cultivated, relational, respect is built, and peace abounds. We've all seen it. For the child knows and learns, if I follow the word of mommy and daddy, I'll be okay. And this is, this is like us, brothers and sisters. As Proverbs 7 says, 7 says, this is life to a child. My son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commandments and live. This discipleship, this training, instruction, this even correction in God's ways This is the blessed way for children and parents. And it is for us in the way of our Heavenly Father. Spurgeon said, If we never have enough headaches through rebuking our children, we will surely have plenty of heartaches when they grow up. Most of you know I served in the military. And I had the privilege as a young officer of supervising hundreds of brand new recruits. It was my job for a season And in every enlistment, there were always some recruits, very young, 17, 18, 19 years old, that came from very, very hard situations, a very broken life scenario, you can imagine, fatherless and motherless, 
living in what we would consider grave poverty. Their, their life was actually pretty well sent, set as it had been for generations around everyone they knew, living from job to job, escaping to drugs, Ill, illegitimate children. This was their future path. That was it. And then for some reason, they joined the military and they experienced a very different situation. Instead of living however they wanted, doing whatever they pleased as they were taught, no rules, no bounds, in the military, there was structure. There was order. There was discipline required. There were boundaries. Someone told them, you will wake up at 6 a.m., you will make your bed, and if you don't, there are consequences. And I will tell you that... These individuals, I saw with my own eyes, the vast majority of them, you know what they did? They loved it. They loved it. They thrived. They blossomed. They flourished because that was God's image shining through them. God did not make us to live for ourselves and run wildly in our passions without bounds. That's a dead end. This is the same principle of being blessed. Blessed are those who walk in the law of the Lord. I'm certainly not saying the military is somehow salvific or life-giving, but as an illustration, this is God's nature in us, isn't it? Just like the child, when order and structure is provided, we are well, we prosper, we have peace, and we glorify our God when we walk in his ways. And sometimes... You may think that getting something that you desire, that you really want, some freedom that's actually been wisely restricted from you, you think that that will result in the good life. If I could only have this. But it's likely that you'll be disappointed if it's outside of God's law. And for you children, it might be outside of what your parents have wisely given you. Like parents... And this military structure who provides some boundaries, the law of our God is loving. The way that God is designed for Christians to walk in, it's, it's the way for them to be like that tree, to blossom, to flourish, to have peace, and to live abundantly. God has given you this guide by his word, and it's best for you. So may we walk in it. May we receive this blessing that God's given us. There's a beautiful promise in Isaiah 58, 11 says, The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water who waters do not fail. There's a continuance. Do you hear it? Just that river that never stops flowing. You went and saw a river 30 years ago when you were young and you can go back there today and guess what? The river's still flowing. Isn't that amazing? Don't forget, if you profess Christ, you died with him. If you're scrambling to find happiness in life that you are fashioning, don't forget the reason that you're alive at all. I think we forget that often. You were bought with a price. Embrace this truth and go and live like a well-watered garden and a spring in a river that runs forever. This is the beautiful declaration of being blessed and following in God's ways. We have been given a choice. Through the freedom of the gospel, we are no longer directed, dictated, and compelled by circumstances of life. 
Rather, we can choose in a faith-filled way to walk the way of our God and be blessed. Now, in describing this in our passage today, we can see this in verse 1. We're told, blessed are the undefiled in the way. This is not a word we use often, children. You might not hear that word undefiled very much. So what does that mean? Does undefiled mean without sin? Well, it could, but not here. It's a condition of the heart. It's a condition of the heart, the psalmist is telling us, in which there is a purity and genuine faith to strive for godliness. We're not perfect. We're not sinless as Christ. But we certainly want and see the way of our God as good. Paul was conflicted with this in Romans seven fifteen. For what I will to do, that I do not practice, but what I hate, that I do. We all know this tension. So we maintain a pure heart, fixed and focused on God's ways, and you will be blessed. We can think of defilement of something, something that's not clean. It's not, it, it's not uh, clear. It, it's some, someone that's not purposed and determined in the path ahead. Like, I'm not sure where I'm going. And so walking undefiled in the way is not one of, of up and down emotion. Right? It's, it's not meandering, turning to the right or the left, but it's following in the way of God and strengthened by the Lord. And so this takes intentional steps of faith to say no to things, to say yes to the way of God. Remember Proverbs 4. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Let your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. On the notes there, you see a picture of a meandering river. See that? And, and meandering rivers are interesting. You know, so the river's going, and over time, it, it runs into something difficult. It's a hard substance or rock or situation. So it turns, and it goes the other way. But then it runs into something else difficult, and so it turns the other way. And it's seeming like it's, it's, just, a, it's just avoiding anything it can. And it goes back and forth. And it's very unsure of where it's going. But that's not the way for the children of God. It's not our way. It's not walking in God's way. Our way is undefiled. It's confident. It's sure. It's resolute that the law of our God is the absolute best for us, no matter what temptations of the flesh and the world may rise up. They are steadfastly straight, fixed ahead, a way that is established in the Lord. And one way you can do this is ask yourself, what is the way of my heart with God? Do I love the things God loves? Do I hate the things God hates? In my daily life, do I, and, and are things that God hates, do I habitually forsake them? Do I confess them? And mortify them? Or do I, do I play with them a little bit? Am I okay with some of these things we know God is not for in his righteousness? Do I allow thoughts to linger in my mind that should not? Do I give them a place? Or do I instead identify them as sinful, confess them to God, repent and penitently, penitently turn the opposite towards righteousness and back? to enjoying 
my God. This is what it is to walk undefiled in the way. And declaring, like David did in Psalm 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. See if there is any wicked way in me. Lead me in your way everlasting. To walk rightly with our God, we must do it from a known, confident position of who we are and where we are. Are you walking through life with a living principle of your union in Christ? Are you walking with Christ in you and you in Christ? Because this is, the, this is really, we know, the only source of spiritual life in us. We're not going to get it somewhere else. This is the only position of walking in the spirit, not in the flesh. Right? We discussed how we, you, cannot love, you cannot love the law of God without faith. It's impossible. You must consider your way. Is it spiritually grounded? Do, do spiritual consider, considerations just occasionally pop up in your life? Or is that the, the way of walking in life? As Colossians 2 encourages us, as you there have, therefore have received Christ, Jesus Christ as Lord, so let us walk in him, rooted and built up and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Which brings us to verse 2. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. So again, we have the description, a description of blessedness, but this time, it's, it's blessed is the one who treasures up his testimonies. Well, the testimonies of God are these witnessed promises to his people that that we can find in the word. Treasuring his testimonies means searching the scripture of God's truth, knowing them, studying them, coming to an understanding of them so that you understand the goodness and grace of our God, so that you love these and you will continue in the practice of keeping them. Keeping his testimonies means living a life where the promises of God and the truths flow out of us in our lives freely. As we mentioned, there's several different words to describe more specifically the law of God. So testimonies is one of these, the testimonies of God. And uh, this this word has a general meaning, and you might be familiar with this word testimony. We think of uh, our experience of being saved or knowing Christ. But uh, Spurgeon said this, God's testimonies are the actions of God's habitations among his people. I like that. This is a witness and confirmation of his promise he made to his people and then seeing them walk in that. That's the testimonies of our God. And so for us, keeping his testimonies, we have to be familiar with our God. We have to know what his good works are, what his promises are. So that it becomes the pattern and the habit of our mind and our life. And a life that's under this continual guiding influence of the promises of God. So that when something happens, you go, yes, but but God told me it would would go this way. And so see, that's that's a mindset of Christ that walks by faith. Ezekiel 37 Thirty-six twenty-seven says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. It's very resolute. You will do them. I will put this upon you. And that's what we have received in Christ. That's the blessedness. So we really see the criticality here 
uh, of knowing our God. We have to know his word, his truth, him so well that we align our habits and our thoughts and our, our, our responses and our actions to what it is to be blessed. James Montgomery Boyce said this very plainly, and he spoke very plainly often, but this, this idea of being blessed in relation to knowing God and his word. Listen to this. The reason we are not happy, which is the same word as blessed, okay? The reason we are not happy is that we sin. And the main reason we sin as much as we do is that we do not know the Bible well enough. Apart from being instructed by God, human beings do not know how to achieve happiness. And it's it's exactly what our verse is telling us. Blessed is the one who walks in his ways, who knows his testimonies and keeps them. Now, verse 2 also tells us, blessed is the one who seeks him with the whole heart. The whole heart. One that is completely undivided in its loyalty to God. But what if the loyalties of your heart are divided? Do you seek him with a partial heart? 30%? What percentage of your heart is given over, abandonedly, to love God? Because there's lots of things to love in this world, isn't there? There's lots of good things to love. But... Loves that may have grown into idols, even. When we think of loving God with a whole heart, you might, you, you might think of Mark 12. You might think of what Jesus said. You shall love the Lord with your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, with all your strength. But he said all of your heart. It's the same thing here. Blessed is the one who seeks him with a whole heart. And so Jesus was, of course, summarizing God's law, wasn't he? the greatest commandment. And, he, and the call is to give it all. Figure out what it means to give your whole heart to God. Just giving a part or an occasional faith, a sliver of your heart to God, a, 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 an occasional consideration of him, a wavering spiritual connection with God. These are not walking in the, the law of our God, and therefore that's not the blessed life. Seeking him with the whole heart, it will require a focus. It will require a faith-driven constancy and a firm directness towards the goal. With eyes fixed upon the prize. As Paul said, I'm reaching forward to those things which are ahead. The goal of the upward call of Christ. And here's one way to really know. You really want to know, am I seeking God with a whole heart? Here's one way. Here's one way you can ask yourself. It's going to require sacrifice. It's the easiest way I can say it. It's going, to, it's going to require abandoning those other things you love so much. And you'll feel it. Because sacrificing hurts. Otherwise, it's not sacrifice. Your heart, it has to be freed up. Think of like a, a ship. A big ship that goes into a storm. And you hear about these situations. They threw the cargo over so that they'd be lighter. So they'd make it through the storm. Right? Our heart has to be freed up to love God with a whole heart. So throw these things overboard, brothers and sisters. It will hurt. It will be a sacrifice. But it will be for the love of God. Jesus said, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the, the other. 
We cannot think that we can love God and something else that's competing against our love for God. It's an impossibility. You remember that hymn we sing sometimes? Are you ever burdened with a load of care? Does the cross seem heavy that you are called to bear? If so, it might be an indication that your heart is divided because there's competing going on in your heart. I love God, but I like this too. I love God, but I love this too. But, but we must not partition off our heart in that way. We must give God all of our lives and heart. And so our verse tells us this is a very active opportunity. It's a, it's a striving for God. It's a faith-directed yearning. We, we, use the, we use the term we're leaning in. We say that a lot. Communing with God more closely to follow him, to follow him fully and enter into that perfect union with him, with his mind and his will to promote his glory. One of the most important ways that we can seek God with a whole heart is to guard it and to defend it and to protect it. Right? Proverbs 4, back to Proverbs 4, 23, says, Keep watch over your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. We must be careful what we expose our hearts to, don't we? Psalm 51, David said, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Because we need clean hearts. Can't have these defiled hearts as we talked about before. Burdened maybe by unconfessed sin. And we must trust God for his providence. Right? Philippians 4 exhorts us, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, this will be a guard to your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We need this guard over our hearts. And so may we experience this blessed state again in a pattern, consistent way, giving our whole heart to God upon his goodness and grace. Well, this brings us to verse 3. And it says... They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. And this is really the substance of of what we want to talk about today. They do no iniquity. Now, we know this is is not how the godly man and godly woman started, is it? They actually started by doing nothing but iniquity, even a love for iniquity. But by faith and the Spirit's regenerating work, life breathed forth, gave them a new heart. And so the godly man and woman shuns iniquity. They hate it. They forsake it. They turn their back on it and walk in the way of their God in love. This is new creatures in Christ that we are, right? Old things have passed away. New things have come. All things have been made new. So sin doesn't have that dominion, dominion anymore in our lives. And so certainly, as we've said before, we're not sinless. We're not perfect. But here's the key. Sin and iniquity are not our pursuits. They're not. They're not our pursuits. This is the distinction of a Christian, right? The Christian is not walking in the path of sin, nor are we desirous of sin. We hate sin. We, we, we don't want sin. Charles Bridges says it this way. He says this of sin, of acting in sin. It's like the upward motion of throwing a stone. It's violent, unnatural. It takes energy and then it falls back. That's how it is for the Christian, to sin. We don't want it when it's even happening. And it comes back to knowing to where we should be, reconciliation with our God. So we must actively resist those things which tempt us to sin. And this is a very important life action that we need to engage because, as we know, sin is still a reality in our life, isn't it? 
We cannot just strive towards walking in the way of God, but we must also turn from an iniquity. So this is an important principle. Both are required. I think some of us struggle because we don't remember this clear principle that actually Pastor Suiso read out of Colossians 3. Both are required. We must say yes to the way of God and no to the path of iniquity. You must do both, right? We cannot just pursue one or the other because that would only result in some maybe minor growth. Doing both is God's approach. This is described, like I said, in Colossians 3. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So when we want to stop sinning, we can't just stop putting off, we can't just put off iniquity. We can't just do the putting off. We have to also put on righteousness. It takes both. We must pursue both paths. It's the same picture we're given in Galatians 5. Walking in the spirit or walking in the flesh. They're contrary to one another. You can, you can try to do both, but you're not really going to get anywhere. We must say no to walking in the flesh and yes to walking in the spirit. It's an active. It's both going in both directions. So back to verse 3. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. What does it mean to walk in the ways of God? Well, walking in the way of God is walking with a, a carefulness, a thoughtfulness, a Godward mindset all the time, walking in faith by the Spirit. And we can do this by taking time to examine our lives, right? At the end of your day, take account of it. It's a great way to end your day. Is there any sins you need to confess? Maybe any missteps you need to correct? What did you learn? How did you use your time today? And, and I, I would just encourage you, brothers and sisters, to, to even challenge yourself in this. Right? Stretch yourself. I mean, be, be hard on yourself for a moment. And, and say, did, at the end of the day, maybe you're laying in bed there, did I strive for holiness today? As my God's called me to? Did I walk in his ways Oh, okay, maybe I didn't. Well, how tomorrow can I do that? For his mercies are new every morning. So let us let, us let kind of let us let the Holy Spirit do its convicting work. And then, and then pray. Okay, and, and remember that, that if we failed, we'll be humble and broken, amen? But know that we're not to cascade down into some kind of depression, but be thankful that God has given us tomorrow, Amen? To, to again walk in his ways and thereby grow in knowing him and tasting and seeing that he is good. And maybe you get to the end of the day and say, oh, I think I offended someone. Well, again, be humbled, be broken, but be grateful that it's not over. Life is not over then, but that you can go to your brother or sister and confess and seek reconciliation in the meekness of love. And so we look forward to this blessed life God's given us. And as we read, we are to ponder the path of our feet, take time to think how we are walking with our God, setting our mind on things above. Am I doing that? Am I, is my mind being renewed to a pattern of God's truth? Because walking in his way is a habitual, it's a continual process. It's an ever-growing holiness in our lives. It's a steady progress, like a quiet advance 
but it's a lasting continuance to us. Because godly men and women are never spiritually idle. That's what our, our word is calling us to. But we're always advancing, always moving forward. Right? I, know, I know our flesh particularly, and maybe the world shouts to us and says, Oh, you, you need a break. You've been working so hard. Right? Have you had your spoonful of self-love this week? But, but God's men and women are steadfast in who we are in Christ and the life that he's given us. So we don't loiter around. Right? We don't, we're not idle. Right? We're forward on the pilgrim's progress, like loitering. Like you see that picture in the notes. My, we saw this sign. My children, I said, our, my children said, what does that mean, loitering? And it's true. They probably don't know what that means. Well, loitering is just standing around for no apparent purpose. It's not a good thing. It's illegal in a lot of places. But do you loiter in your spiritual life? This is a sober consideration. Or are you advancing, learning, getting to know your God? A continual spiritual advancement. We we, we reach forward to those things that are ahead in Philippians 3. We strive on to maturity in Hebrews 6. We fight and take hold of eternal life in 1 Timothy 6. We train ourselves for godliness in 1 Timothy 4. And in 1 Corinthians 9, we walk this spiritual life with intentionality. Remember, remember those words of Paul. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners race, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable So I do not run aimlessly or idle or spiritually loitering, we could say. I do not box as one just beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Which takes us to verse 4. No loitering spiritually, but instead diligently keeping. Verse 4, you have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Now, here we have a new word, again, precepts. What are God's precepts? Well, precepts, if we look kind of at the word as at basics level, it means to tr- place your trust in something, right? And so here, we, we have, we, this is a, a, an incredible gift God's given us. We actually have been entrusted or committed to by the appointment of God to entrust something he's given us, to care for it, to hold it. God entrusts his children to do certain things, right? And so the right way to view that God has given us a commandment is, is, is to care for it. The way I like to think of this is that God has given us a mission. He's given us a job. We are soldiers in his army, as it were, that to keep his precepts diligently. This is the call he's given us. So keeping his precepts is, it's, it's an act of very intentional, careful obedience. It's, in other words, it's not going to just happen by accident. You're not just going to fall into keeping God's commandments. It's not a casual falling, following, but it's instead, it's a, it's a zealous obedience. We look forward to walking in the way of our God because that is the way of the blessed. 
So with God's law for the Christian, there is an attentiveness to it. It's a joyful attentiveness, a diligent keeping of that rule which is perfectly fashioned and made for us by our Father in heaven. So how do we keep his precepts diligently, if that's what you'd like to do and follow this word? Well, we must clear distractions away. We have to consider our steps and be wise. It's wise also to get wisdom from others. This is, we call this accountability, typically. But it's, it's, it's actually taking that humble step and, and asking someone else, maybe someone you trust, am I, do you see me keeping God's commandments? Do you see my life as walking in his precepts? I challenge you all to ask someone that. And, and if you're asked that by someone, be lovingly honest with them. Encourage one another. This is the stirring up of one another we talk about. Say, what weaknesses do you see in me that the Lord would gird up for the sake of his gospel? Tell me, help me here. It takes humility and certainly faith to ask these kind of questions, but it's, it's tremendous for us. I mean, if you were a businessman, some of you are, you would be diligent to conjure up as much business as you could, right? Diligence. In the same way, we should be eager to strive for the Lord and diligently keep his precepts as much as we can. Diligently keeping will involve self-denial. It'll it'll involve sacrifice, and it'll involve a deliberate leaning in. Does the love and salvation of our God deserve diligent servants? What do you think? I think so. And I know that it rubs against the modern-day philosophy that we're going to hear. Rest, take your ease, entertain. But but brothers and sisters, you can see it clearly in the text. right? A, 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 A flowery bed of ease is not our call. Rather, our captain has brought us into his regiment. He's given us a job. We are commissioned, given life. He's given us the spiritual weapons we need, the armor, and a heart willing in faith to charge up the hill to the places he's given us. We gladly take on the call of our captain, for he's not just interceding with us, but he's gone before us. He has secured the victory on this hill. He's taken the enemy captive. The the enemy, we have to think of them in the right sense. Yes, powerful, but more like loudly barking chihuahuas that nip and they're just annoying. Go away. My God has rent, subdued you, you know? And we, we have to, we have to, see, this is, this is a mindset of victory in life and the power of our God. We have to walk in this. We have to stand fast in this word of truth, confident of his faith and of his strength. Shake those chihuahuas off and walk with your God joyfully. So how shall I begin my day? You might say, God, I'm only waking up today because you've given me spiritual life. So I'm here. I'm yours, Lord. I live by your hand. I don't really have anything to bring. I am saved by you. I walk in you by your merciful hand of redemption. So, Lord, what would you have me to do today? I know that this really, again, it pushes against the spirit of the day 
that we can be whatever we want and we can do whatever we want. But that's a lie. Let's just call it out. As Christians, we receive a calling from God and that's the best thing for us. And we walk in that in joy. Because remember, he distributes the gifts. He distributes the measure of faith. He decides which, which family you're born into. He decides the color of your hair. Right? These, these are the things God's given us. The world would trick you into thinking that the life that we conjure up for ourselves is the best life. Look at the word. It's the way of our God. It's keeping his precepts diligently. We wake up in the morning and we speak to our God with faith, with a knowledge of who he is, with what he's done, what he's promised, what he's going to do. We have a mindset that it's about him foremost. And we must walk in that, championing and cheering, and diligently trusting in him to build his kingdom. A kingdom that will last. A kingdom that, in fact, has already won. Already won the victory. Well, in closing, remember that we are incredibly blessed because we have the honor, the life, and the faith to walk in the way of our Lord. We, remember, we can hear it. We can hear. We've given ears, been given ears to hear and eyes of faith to see. We must cherish this incredible truth and walk with the maker of heaven and earth by his grace, depending on his mercies every day, enjoying his perfect law. So let us consider our steps, be watchful, be, be cautious, turn away from evil, and rest and thrive in keeping his testimonies. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies and seek him with the whole heart. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have given us your precious way, your precious life through your precepts, your law, your testimony, your commandments. God, not only have these driven us and shown us our need for Christ, but they also have given us a life and a life abundantly, the blessed life. Oh God, we thank you for this. I Pray, Lord, that this would stir up within us an understanding of you more, that we may know you more, so that we may indeed keep your testimonies and live and glorify you with our whole lives. In Jesus' name, amen.